When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, 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 and happy new year to all of you. Welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey O'Flanagan. And as always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Please feel free to subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing, tell a friend, that'd be great. Because on the show today, I am so delighted to talk to the soulful and just the crazy talented Chris Pierce, also known as Reverend Talltree. Chris takes us into his songwriting process, whether it be for TV, rock operas, or anthemic activism. We learn about how he literally went death as a teenager and how that low point in his life has helped him in his long and successful career. I can't wait for you to hear all that he has to say and even more so, listen to him perform three songs live for us on the show. So please, please enjoy Chris Pierce. I know time will take its toll have to pay for the love we stole. All right, so we are here with Chris Pierce, who's, you know, what is it? You also go by the uh, the name Reverend Talltree. Is that you, or would you? Would is that the band? Well, it's it's a little bit of both. It's uh, the, the 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 full name of the band is Reverend Talltree and the Blackstrap Brothers. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, I've been going by uh, Tall Tree. It's been a nickname of mine since I was a, a kid, and I became ordained about 25 years ago to do, at first, just weddings of friends and stuff like that. Um, and it got deeper, and I started doing more studying of uh, different traditions and uh, getting asked to do a lot of beautiful things. So Reverend Tall Tree just kind of blossomed. Uh, Tall Tree came from Ojai, California, originally. Um, mm-hmm. I was retreat and a sweat lodge there um and uh, <laughs> and uh, the guy that was leading the, the sweat hadn't seen me in a while and he said you're growing like a tall tree and it just kind of stuck <laughs> i love it yeah yeah what a great nickname so um one of the things that i've got to say just right off the bat and i found this so interesting when i was starting to do a little bit of research on you so my girlfriend and i are literally, I think tonight, going to finish the last two episodes of um, True Blood. Oh, wow. And I found out after researching you, and if I'm wrong, tell me, but your wife, Tara Buck, has a recurring role on, right? She's great. That's right. That's right. She's actually over here in the next room. <laughs> oh, amazing. So yeah. phenomenal. So, yeah, this is, and I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm connecting the right dots here. I hope I've got the right Chris Pierce. And I just was like, I told my girlfriend, but she was just like, that's amazing. We're just like loving her character and just loving the show right now. We It's obviously been out for a while, but we just circled back to it now. Mm. And, um, but you've done some music 
or at least a song for that show, as well as quite a few others. And I'm just wondering if you can share with me and the audience, how do you get a song on a show? How does, does that process work differently all the time? Uh, well, it, it does. It's different all the time. But, but first of all, let me just uh, quickly uh, go circle back and say that uh, my wife, Tara, is incredible at what she does. She does so much. She has an incredible body of work. Yeah. Um, she's so dedicated to her craft. It, it inspires me uh, every day to watch her and see her and, and grow with her. Um, as an artist, as two artists living uh, under a roof, it's, uh, it's just, she's just incredible. Uh, she was shooting a TV show yesterday, and she has a movie coming out with uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, soon. Oh, amazing. Uh, called, uh, called Meet Joe Bell. Um, and uh, anyway, so, but uh, I can't say enough about her. But, yeah, but, good for um, you. Kudos to Tara. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as placing TV and film, uh, music and TV and film, it's been quite a journey for me. Uh, I started my first kind of placement was on a show called uh, Dawson's Creek oh, uh, yeah. way back in the day. And uh, it was a song that, uh, a song of mine called Are You Beautiful? And that song was placed, uh, it was a friend of a friend through a music manager um, that I was working with. Um, and then, uh, and that was around 2003, I think. Uh, and then uh, around 2004, uh, I started working with an actual firm, a music placement firm. Um, and uh, what they do is they just kind of get the word out through their relationships and, um, and take a cut. Okay. Uh, and so, and that kind of blossomed into, you know, national and international commercials, uh, other big shows. Um, and then I've had, uh, you know, a couple different record deals where they've had their own people within the record label structure. Okay, um, so there's a couple different antennas that go out there and kind of make these connections happen. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, I think that some of the biggest stuff, uh, biggest meaning, widest reach um, for yeah. me have happened through personal relationships um, that, have, that uh, people that I've either reached out to or a friend of a friend or that I followed up on or, or just gotten just extremely, you know, it was just a, something that dropped from the sky, like the this is us thing. Um, yeah. uh, I met a guy, uh, oh, 10 years prior to when I wrote a song for this is us in Austin, Texas, uh, at South by Southwest. Okay. And he was a friend of a friend. He was a friend of, uh, Rami Antoon, who was the drummer for uh, Gold Spot, who was their band, and Seal, when I was touring with Seal as his uh -huh. opening act around the world, Rami introduced me to Sid, who was the lead singer of Gold Spot. <laughs> Ten years later, Sid calls me up. Ten years. And says, uh, hey, Chris, I hope this is still your number. I'm, I'm working on uh, uh, music for this TV show, This Is Us. Uh, you probably have never heard of it, which I hadn't. And he said, I've got to write a soul song. And I thought of you from your show at South by Southwest 10 years ago. Um, anyway, I was, in my, I was in my truck quicker than, than, uh, than the, just, you know, I was in my truck within 10 minutes and driving up there. We wrote the song and it just blossomed into this big song on the show. And it was on the Billboard chart and yeah. nominated and all this stuff, uh, which, you know, maybe we'll get to. But, but yeah, my, my point is, 
each and every way. I just started working with a new company in the U.S. called Rolo Grady, who's out pitching uh, this new album that I'm working on. And, cool. uh, and yeah, just hoping for the best. And, and of course, if anything comes my way, I'll pass the ball and relay it. And, uh, and every, I think if it's the best when everybody, the kind of universe kind of brings everybody together and everybody works together and, and it's kind of uh, and dances together to make good things happen. It's almost like in the same realm as somebody getting recognized as an actor, right? Like that's just like the what I would think of as a like a scout that's looking for someone to fill a role. They're like, I saw this guy in this toothpaste commercial and he just has the face that we're looking for. So let's bring him in. And this guy from 10 years ago comes to you and is like, I remember your voice. I think that you can convey the emotion that we want. So the song that you, you're referencing is We Can Always Come Back to This. which obviously performed on This Is Us. And so besides just kind of how you got to it, lyrically, what's kind of that song's formation? Did you write, did they give you a scene? Did you write it for this specific episode or how did that work? Yeah, basically uh, the, the guy that reached out to me, Sid, got hired as the composer for the show. Um, the episode was written and filmed and uh, the episode was about a guy um, uh, who was having some, a lot of issues, personal issues and issues with his family. And there was a, a, uh, a flashback scene where it went back to, I think it was 1970 or 1969 in Memphis. And uh, it was a story of how this hit song, hit soul song was written with he and his friends and, and, uh, and some of his family. Um, and so we needed we needed to write that song, that hit song. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, so you got and, pressure to write a hit, <laughs> right? Right. It was like yeah, the song that they it was the kind of the them writing it, and then it, the song turning into this big, you know, soul song hit. So um, that immediately resonated with me. Uh, you know, I lost my my dad several years ago, and he was a really big into music and very soulful guy. And mm-hmm. uh, honestly, when I saw the picture of the scene, this the actor immediately reminded me of, of my dad. Okay. Uh, so so it, it was just, it, to me, it was just meant to be. I started drawing from some of those experiences and emotions with, with him and with my own uh, uh, experience from loss uh, at the end of the episode uh, he passes um, okay. and it was literally just just something I just feel like it was meant to be and so I sat down with Sid and uh, we just started plucking it out I think within within an hour we were uh, sub- we submitted it to the executive producers and wow. they loved it. and then uh, the next week we were recording it with um, an actor named Brian Tyree Henry, who was, uh, he's, he's widely known. He's been nominated for all kinds of awards and 
He's done all kinds of work, but uh, he's on a TV show, Atlanta. Uh, yeah. He's known for his, uh, his role as Paperboy. Uh, was a rapper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and did a beautiful job. We played it uh, in the studio, and he sang a version of it um, and acted in the show. They stuck me in the scene as the backup guitar player in the show, which was really fun. <laughs> uh, and then about a week later, it aired, a week or two later, it aired, and uh, it was number one on the Billboard Blues chart, and it stayed there for four weeks. Amazing. And during that time, they decided that they wanted me to do an acoustic version, uh, playing and singing that they'd use on the next episode. So I did that. Um, and then they used uh, uh, another version of, of our song <laughs> by a, a woman named Hannah Miller from Nashville. Um, mm -hmm. And so there were three different versions of the song on the show, which wow. was a beautiful thing. And, and a few months later, we were playing it on the Emmy stage uh, with the orchestra uh to a standing ovation at the end i mean the whole thing was just like a uh a magic carpet ride <laughs> yeah which is a great performance i actually saw that on um youtube i think yesterday i was watching that and that's just there's so much energy you just killed the vocal thank you and um yeah what a what an absolutely amazing song and i i think that for me and probably a lot of people listening just I think that there's this vision of people writing songs, right? You're just kind of like hold up by yourself, yeah. trying to like dig them out, clawing out the music on a guitar, a piano, whatever it might be, searching for the lyrics to go with it. And there's all these different paths and avenues to get there. And this is just another one that's brand new to this show and, and honestly brand new to me. Of, And it's, it's almost just this serendipitous thing of you wrote a hit, to write a hit like you you were they told you to write a hit and you you did it you took it literally and you did it for the for the show too it was just what an amazing story um so let's go back a little bit chris uh -huh. you grew up in southern california yeah said your dad was a really soulful guy what kind of music was going on in the house or with your family and everything well i come from a, a very diverse background uh you know my father being of african-american descent primarily and my mother uh, caucasian um, and uh, they grew up, they had completely completely different experiences growing up. My dad mm -hmm. in the south of the U.S., my mother in the north, uh, different upbringings, different music, different experiences, um, and uh, their bravery and, and love brought them together at a time when uh, it was uh, still illegal in many, much of the U.S. To, to, for them to be together. And yeah. So they really, uh, uh, surrounding our house, they turned each other on to a lot of stuff. So my dad was mostly uh, deep soul, uh, uh, Solomon Burke, uh, James Carr, uh, Nina, uh, and a lot of jazz. Um, you know, he, was, he was, wasn't really into a lot of like in the, the free jazz scene, but there was mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of Coltrane uh, going on, a lot of like bebop, a lot of Charlie Parker and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and uh, and then my mother, uh, you know, just like Led Zeppelin and Paul Simon and yeah. a lot of Paul McCartney and uh, uh, Joni Mitchell and <laughs> and so they were. I I literally I I they'd sit there. I remember from being really young. We have these memories from before we could walk yeah 
there a lot of their bonding during you know the after dinner always was they'd sit down and play records and it got to the point where my mother says before I could walk I'd crawl to records and help them pick out records um, vinyl and they'd put it on and we'd all uh, dance and so I, I have this recollection so cool. of music and those songs being something that really it they it, it the, that experience of songs and music being family and togetherness to me and you know my folks weren't together for a long time and and I feel like one of the reasons and one of the things that got me into songwriting was that feeling yeah of of uh I know how this feels I'd like to feel it again and I'd like to uh pass it on to other people uh and hopefully to hopefully create memories with them as well Man, that's so good. That's just that that's such a great just family story of of just those kinds of memories that I think that I have, you know, my parents kind of had that Fleetwood Mac, Beatles, Rolling Stones. I just kind of came from that kind of a background and I wished I think I wished that there would have been a little bit more jazz because it's something that I really got into once I got a little bit older, but I had to go out and find it for myself. But yeah. you went to USC and really got into it there and, and studied jazz pretty what that was your major right jazz studies yeah and that, that was a heavy time for me I, I, <laughs> I, I long story short a couple of years before that I started losing my hearing uh, really? very rapidly and I ended up uh, uh, you know certified deaf um, in both ears and I was around 15 and it was just devastating. And I had all these plans to tour and go to school and do all this stuff. So you were was, a singer at this time. Yeah. Already. Yeah. I was pretty deep in it. I, you know, appeared on television shows and was singing and I had just appeared on the Natalie Cole show. Uh, it was a singing competition and, uh, competed against R Kelly of all people. And, oh, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, and then all of a sudden everything was silent and it was like panic. Um, and so um, I got diagnosed with otosclerosis, which is a you know, inner ear uh, bone deformation, which basically makes you deaf. Um, and I was able to have a surgery on my right ear and regain a lot of my hearing, 70 something percent. Wow. Um, and then uh, they told me they wanted to wait uh, for the left ear. So, um, so it was kind of like I had to learn sounds and singing and how playing and what everything felt like really quickly in order to get ready to to audition to go to USC and um, consider maybe, you know, pulling up my bootstraps and, and marching on in the music world. And um, and I did it. Uh, I just I just put my head down and 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 told myself I love music this much. I want to pursue it in college. I want to keep trying to do it. And, uh, and I got into USC. I was the first vocal jazz uh, major ever accepted. And, um, and uh, it, it just kind of the story goes from there. I started touring. I got picked up by a band called Sonia Dada to tour with them. That was mm -hmm. my first tour. And long story short, long story longer i should actually say <laughs> that's all right this is a good story <laughs> uh you know 30 years later um uh, i uh i decided to 
I've been deaf in my left ear the whole time uh, during my career, and I decided to get a, a surgery. Uh, that was this was a couple of years ago, and it worked for about a week, and then it went away. Uh, okay. So there was a lot of reflection of to back in that time of thinking about school and going to school, and and I feel like in a lot of ways it really empowered me thinking. You know, this happened when I was a kid. I've overcame it. I got a scholarship to go to school. I've been touring around for 30 years. Yeah. And, and uh, to not think about what limits us as as uh, as things that should should halt us or stop us from doing the things we love, uh, because I feel like in a lot of ways we're limitless. Uh, you know, we think about this word limit, and it's not really doesn't really, I, I don't, not really a word in my vocabulary that, that, um, that can uh, 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 argue with the human heart and the human spirit. I feel like, I feel like we could do anything we want to do. And so I always go back to college. I think yeah. about college and I think about going there and starting to sing, learn about jazz and how, how we, we just, we just march on and I just marched through that. Um, and uh, it was a great experience, USC. Absolutely. I mean, such an amazing thing to have, to have that happen at that age. And the, the first amazing thing is that you were so focused and tunnel vision on what it is that you wanted to pursue, you knew. And that's something that's very unique. And I think it's, I think a lot of times it's a gift to have that at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, and you didn't look at this you know, you probably had some low times, a lot of questions once that hearing starting to go. Yeah. Is what what is this going to be now? Who what can I do? And then you get the surgery that works, um, and then you have to make that decision of like, am I going to put in the work? And mm-hmm. I think the maturity of someone who's sixteen, seventeen years old to go and do that to to put in the work to get that audition is. I mean, that just shows what you and that, that that there had to be such a confidence booster, I would think, like to do it, put in the work, get it. And then you're like, this math works. One plus one equals two here, because I knew that if I did this and I did this, I could achieve this. And that's probably really helped you out as you've kept going. It it, it did internally. And I, I feel like I, I kept it quiet, uh, you know, for decades until it's a couple of years ago. Um, I didn't want, uh, I didn't, just didn't feel like I wanted people to have special considerations and feel like they needed to, you know, jump through hoops when they hired yeah. me for things or anything like that. So, I, so a lot of people really didn't know about it through my career until I decided to start publicly speaking about it. And, uh, I did a Ted talk about it and, um, and that really kind of opened me up and empowered me to really, uh, think of it as something that could inspire others. Um, uh, you know, people of, that are following whatever it is they love, uh, to not let anything uh, uh, stop them from doing that. Um, and that these limitations that we put on ourselves really aren't, they can be things that, that can empower us and yeah. inspire us and make, th- make us look at things differently. I feel like if I had perfect hearing throughout the years, I wouldn't pull from the same emotional space that I pull from, from the gut. Um, and, and that I feel like I've made a career doing that, uh, yeah. coming from a, a place from here, 
because uh, I really am reaching every single time I have to in order to, to, to make it, you know, to make it happen. Stay tuned for more Song Facts Podcast right after this. Ever wonder how my voice is bouncing off your eardrums so clean and crispy? No? Well, let me tell you anyway. The Lyra Microphone by AKG brings their legendary acoustic engineering to a versatile USB mic that delivers the highest quality audio in its class. USB connection. This is good for me because of the simplicity and the ability to just plug and play without an interface. You may have gathered from various episodes that I am doing this show on the road, so being that I record most interviews in a different location than the last, it is good for me to know that I have a high-quality, easy-to-transport-and-use USB mic like the Lyra to make sure my sound is clean. Whether you're like me and recording a podcast, a musician recording vocals or an instrument, or if you need to do a voiceover for a YouTube channel, Lyra's innovative AKG Adaptive Capsule Array adapts to your performance to record pristine audio. It has four versatile capture modes. What's a capture mode, you ask? That is how the mic picks up your voice. Just trust me, with these four options, it's really all you're going to need. With AKG Lyra, you'll be up and running in no time, no matter your experience level. There's no assembly, no need for separate audio interface, no fiddling with software settings. It just works right out of the box. And Lyra is something that is compatible with Windows, Mac, iOS, and Android devices, and all major recording softwares. So if you're looking for a mic that offers ease of use along with a high quality sound, Check out the AKG Lyra and look no further. For sure. I love it. I, I love the idea of uh, of limit not being a word in the vocabulary, too. That's why I put a lid on it. Um, you are going to give us a couple of songs, and we're going to start... Um, with the first one here, and I think we're going to do It's Been Burning for a while now. I see about five guitars behind you, so let's grab one of those. (laughs) So why don't you give us a little bit of the backstory of this song before you jump in? Uh, This song was written uh, in late May of 2020. Uh, Pretty quickly, it was was, uh, the week of of, uh, George Floyd's brutal murder and civil unrest here in the United States. Um, uh, I live in Los Angeles and there were, uh, there were marches literally down my street and on the corner and, and folks being arrested for, for raising their voices uh, and trying to be heard uh, to speak, speak uh, against injustice. And uh, I was talking with my friend Mark Malone uh, about how angry I was, you know, looking out the window and seeing people uh, laying on the ground with in, in handcuffs just for raising their voices and and that how powerful songwriting can be. Yeah, uh, to be, speak out um, and in our in our way, uh, you know, there's those of us who do both who write and get out into the streets. Uh, I encourage that, and and in any event, it's like the, the songs can be a way of marching and add to the conversation. Um, 
And so that night, uh, uh, I had a, uh, a playing for change uh, show I was doing the next day. Uh, beautiful organization that do shows all around the world. I'm sure a lot of folks have seen, seen them. Stand By Me was a big one they did, but they yeah. literally bring people from all over the world with different instruments and have them play together. And uh, I've done a few Playing for Change episodes with them. And they had me actually do a live show the ne that next morning. And I felt an urgency to get this song done uh, to play at that show. Um, so that was literally the first time it was played. We recorded it and uh, now it has over 100,000 views on YouTube. And, wow. um, it's, and it's, it's been played on the radio a bunch and that kind of thing. Uh, so I decided to record a version of it for the new album. Um, it's a song, it's a call in, in the hopes of a res response. It's it, like a lot of these new songs uh, that I've, I've been writing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been burning for a while. Yeah, I mean, you, you obviously write some good music in under the, under the crunch and under the gun, man. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I, I, I wanted to say earlier, I feel like we were talking about that show, the song for This Is Us, and I, I feel like a lot of these songs are, are, are inside of us and uh, for a long time sometimes, and, and we compartmentalize these feelings that we have. I feel like for me personally, you know, having dealt with a lot of, oh boy, intolerance, racism, uh, uh, you know, to the point of... of, of you know, being shot at, being stabbed, being thrown wow. in jail when I was young um, for raising my voice and speaking up. And uh, I feel like we compartmentalize these feelings as writers and creators a lot of times just to survive and get along with people and get along, get on with them in the, in the world. And then sometimes we just get to the, the tipping point where these songs have to come out. And, and I feel like it's like that with love songs too, and 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 all the songs we, it's it's all it's all there. We it just we, we need to kind of just be open to them coming out, uh, and putting them into song form. Yeah. Uh, sometimes different things prompt them, uh, and uh, for me, a lot of these new songs for the album were all, were prompted this year, um, and but I feel like. They've all been kind of brewing. <laughs> we were yeah. talking about coffee earlier. Uh, <laughs> they, they've all been brewing for a, a while, you know, and, and that's kind of where this came from, burning for a while. It's about that this this has been happening for a long time. Uh, it's nothing new. Uh, oh. The line in the song, glad you stopped to see, uh, which hopefully will prompt people to uh, not only fight for a day, uh, spend a lifetime of, of, of reaching out to other people. Yeah. Um, and fighting, fighting against injustice. Good stuff. Yeah, right on. I'm gonna take an ear off here. Woke up this morning, saw that smoke up in the sky. A crowd of people watching, asking who and how and why. Flames are rolling down the city, rolling for a mile. How'd it get so bad, you ask? It's been burning for a while. You say it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, 
Well, I just go and check. Now there ain't no chip up on my shoulder. That's your boot up on my neck. Ah, these flames go so far, you ask. Now they've gone a thousand miles. I've got a news flash for you. It's been burning for a while. It's been burning for a while down here. Glad you stopped to see. And ain't no water gonna douse it down until you hear from me. You say it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, I'll just go and check. Now that ain't no chip up on my shoulder. That's your boot up on my neck. They say it's in the eye of the beholder. Well, I'll just go and check. Now that ain't no chip up on my shoulder. That's your boot up on my neck. For a while, it's been burning for a while. It's been burning for a while. It's been burning for a while down here. Glad you stopped to see. And ain't no water gonna douse it down until you hear from me. Mm-hmm. Until you hear from me. You were saying it before about if you you feel like if you maybe didn't have the problems that you had with your hearing that maybe you wouldn't be able to bring it from the depths like that and man do you go deep for some of those. Oh, thank you. Thank I'm you. so uh I feel like so I'm like throughout this whole thing like obviously live music is something that's really kind of gone to the wayside recently, right? And artists like you have been affected by this whole thing just like anybody else in in a major major way but i just feel like i've just been getting these like free little concerts in my little mm-hmm. office here all like the last few months i feel so selfish uh, <laughs> hey hey you're 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 shining your light on a lot of folks that uh like myself that uh, don't often get that light shown upon them and and we appreciate it and uh yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're gonna have a lot more of that music in your in your in your office <laughs> i hope we can i hope we can so i've got a couple of questions that song lyrically I, it doesn't surprise me at all i didn't know when it was written but when you started telling me the backstory to it of when it was written that just makes so much sense to me you have another song that um you co-wrote with hannah miller called let me be your sunshine yeah and I was listening to that this morning when I was having my morning cup of coffee and showed it to my girlfriend. And we were just like, this is so good. And then I played her. Um, it's been burning for a while. And I was like, I, OK, I don't know when these songs were written, but I'm guessing that Let Me Be Your Sunshine was written before it's been burning for a while. Yeah. And, and it seems to me that Let Me Be Your Sunshine is the antidote to the warning that you're singing about in Burning. That's absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Let Me Be Your Sunshine, uh, I wrote with Hannah in Nashville and uh, I was passing through on a tour and uh, we got together in a studio and it was uh, about two years ago. Um, And we had been 
oh, man, there, there was it was kind of all starting. You could feel like there were a lot of ins, instances going on in the in the U.S. around us, and there were that this kind of thing that's been happening over and over this cycle. And on top of that, we had um, we had somebody who was uh, uh, inciting without naming names uh, and giving permission in a lot of ways uh, to a lot of these folks that were doing these things and, and then continued to do that on until uh, most recently when uh, he got voted out. Um, and hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully this will be uh, all over this is, uh, soon. Uh, and meaning, meaning his, uh, his, his uh, presidency. But uh, we, we got together and, and said, you know, this is so much going on. If we could write a lullaby to ourselves uh, and what we're, what's going on in our hearts on how to deal with this uh, and, and the friend that we have in music, the, a place of refuge that we have, what would that song sound like? And so that song was literally written as a, a coping mechanism um, to to everything that was happening and everything we felt like was gonna happen mm -hmm. and did happen uh, for the years following, um, and it was kind of a song that was a, a little bit of a coping mechanism to kind of it was it's a little bit of a, a preparation for the worst and saying don't be afraid of it all you can you can you can weather the storm it's not gonna be easy I'm here for you. Um, and literally, you know, the, the I'm here for you was, for me, it was coming from music speaking to me and, and this place of refuge that I've always gotten from music. Um, and you, so you're totally correct uh, about that, um, uh, the timeline of that and what that meant. I'd be happy to play that one for you now if, 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 you, if, you, have, if you have the time. Hey, I'd say let's do it. I'm not going to ever turn it down because that is just such a beautiful song. And I think that it's a really good way to show people how these songs just in my thought process this morning, what you're kind of giving us now, just really, really work well together of like, here's the warning call. But you know what? Here's how we can kind of come together and make this all work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, I'd be happy to. Here's uh, Let Me Be Your Sunshine. When dark skies fall When rain comes around When the light fades away And the blue skies go gray Don't board up your window Don't hide there alone let me be your sunshine Wherever you go Take all your burden Take all of your fear Come out of the shadows And lay down your sorrow don't board up your window Don't hide there alone Let me be your sunshine 
wherever you go So hold me close We'll make it through Be the light for me I'll be the light for you And don't be afraid We'll weather the storm Oh, and we'll be alright With our hearts open wide Don't board up your window sunshine wherever you go let me be your sunshine wherever you go what a treat oh <laughs> Those got to go next to each other. I just really believe that. You got to just, this, that's just how the set list has to be written. Oh, man. All right. That's, that's great, great advice. I'm actually doing a, a show in a, a few days for a great little venue here called Hotel Cafe. Uh, we've all been gathering around. Uh, their doors have been shut for eight months, and all this artists have been gathering around them doing shows, trying to get people to tune in and chip in and support them to hopefully reopen when, it, yeah. when the time comes so uh i i will do those back to back yeah <laughs> i don't know it makes a lot of sense to me um so as i was kind of going through some of your stuff um with the album that you released in 2015 with reverend tall tree yeah. um I, I saw that there was the first thing that i gravitated towards was i saw the dylan song everything is broken yeah. and then i saw bad bad whiskey and those were those were just really, really, Dylan has always just been such an important person in my life musically. And then Bad Bad Whiskey, I think the first time I heard that was probably the Buddy Guy Jr. Wells version. Right. Um, and then, I, you know, you go back further into blues, which a lot of blues songs are. You got to go back into like the 30s and 40s where you realize where they were actually written. Yeah. But I'm curious when it comes to these types of songs, what about a song like this does makes you want to do your own version of it? Uh, well, I'll tell you, the Reverend Tall Tree that project uh, started um, by me wandering into a, a, a blue saloon here in Hollywood, and the bartender saying, "Hey, Chris Pierce, man, I I used to watch you twenty years ago at this little club, and you still do music. We're thinking about having music here." We really all want these to... people from your past, Chris. They just always pop up, and they're like, "I remember you. Come up on stage." I'm like, a, I'm like a dino, an LA dinosaur. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, and he says, "We really want a blues band." And I said, "Well, let, let me get one together." And so that whole project started with we didn't have any songs, and and it was like we had a gig the next night, and so we started playing covers. Bad Bad Whiskey was one of those songs that uh, you know I immediately thought of for the set list. To me, it, it just exemplifies uh, what the blues are and what it's about. Yeah. Uh, um, Whiskey, Gimbies, Wimmer. 
It's not really covered a lot, uh, and it, you're right. The Junior Wells version is is amazing. A lot of great versions. That song was actually, I think it was written by a guy from L.A. Uh, in the '40s, I want to say. Yeah. I should know the, the the his name, but I'm blanking. It's too early here, um, <laughs> and I haven't had enough coffee. Um, anyway, but yeah, I I gravitated towards it. Um, so for me, that song having been uh, kind of a, 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 a bit of a standard or a staple in blues. Um, I wasn't that hesitant uh, to cover it. I felt like it would be a great addition to the set. It would be a, a great song to do in a live setting and then eventually on the album. Um, Dylan's another story. Uh, it's it's Dylan's it, touching a Dylan song or a, a Stevie Wonder song. Uh, you know, are examples of those are things you have to really think hard, long and hard about for yeah. me. Um, and there's respect. There's um, uh, adding something to maybe a, a, a finding something in the music that can maybe add to the conversation mm -hmm. that the songwriter intended and not take away from it uh, and not retell it um, because I don't feel like that's when you're covering a song, especially by, by such a, a, a musical hero, uh, somebody that's so highly regarded uh, in your own heart. Yeah. It's not about, not a, it's about an interpretation. It's not about telling it, uh, re retelling it or, well, I would have said this. Uh, it, it's about, respectfully uh, trying to add to the conversation that was intended. Uh. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols, broken heads, people sleeping in broken beds. Ain't no use in jiving, ain't no use in choking. Um, yep. uh, and so that song was uh, brought to me by a friend uh, and uh, he played it for me uh, and I just fell in love with it and uh, listened to it over and over and over again and dissected it uh, and, thought, and like really thought deep and long and hard about it, probably for weeks uh, about it before I even decided that we'd do it. And then we did it live a couple times and worked out an arrangement uh, with slide guitar and kind of a very percussive uh, groove. Yeah. Um, I kind of de decided that for me, there were certain lyrics that really stood out. Um, and it was uh, around... Uh, uh, around the time of the previous election um, is when we started playing. It was before it. It was like leading into it. Okay. Um, and 
for me, it was like, man, I, I have to do this. Like if Dylan were sitting here, I have to do it in a way that would make him, uh, you know, maybe hope, hopefully raise an eyebrow. Like, oh man, I should listen to this. Um, and I feel like we, we accomplished something that could add to the conversation. I, I'd like to, uh, uh, you know, maybe re record it or play it again sometime um, and try it out in different ways. Um, I feel like what we intended to do, we did. Um, it's such a great song. I feel yeah. like it's uh, uh, one of those things where I could now rearrange it and do a, a completely different version now that I've gotten kind of dug deep inside of it yeah. uh, um, and maybe pay it a little more respect uh, in a different way. It's uh, true. It's an interesting song lyrically that he, he just he goes off on just everything that could ever possibly break and yeah, yeah. yeah starting to think about that in a different style like starting to think about it in like a slow bluesy waltz or something like that that would just kind of take it in a whole new direction and feel that would be that'd be an interesting way to go that'd be that'd be fun to do if you ever sat down and did that i'd love to hear it um you did another project with these guys and it was um reverend Talltree's blues opera Right. So yeah. what, what's going on with that? What, what made you write a blues opera? <laughs> well, uh, my friend Mark, who I mentioned earlier that I wrote, it's been burning for a while with, uh, and I have been friends for many years. Uh, and he's a script writer, uh, does like TV scripts, mostly kind of uh, uh, stuff that deals with a lot of like history and that kind of stuff, um, like History Channel, uh amc that kind of stuff so yeah um heavy cat older about 20 years my senior um and he approached me about uh, after i started the reverend tall tree band uh, he said hey have you ever thought about doing a, a stage show and making this like a uh a, a character in that way and writing mm -hmm. some songs around who reverend tall tree is um and I said, sure. So over five years, we got together uh, a couple times a month and wrote this blues opera. It's 21 songs. Uh, it was it's a, it's a story for stage. It's 21 all original songs. It, it weaves through the tale of a, a street preacher in the Mississippi South uh, who has a very checkered past, uh, who goes around uh, the way he survives is he does these uh, tent revivals, sings songs, uh, gets people to donate. Um, and his uh, a little bit of his intention is a little bit of a hustle, but he is a man of God, so he believes what he's doing. He's like preaching the word and there's a, there's a hidden meaning behind everything he's doing. Okay. So, so he falls in love. Uh, he wanders into this place called Madame Joy's House of the Unusually Friendly Companion and <laughs> falls in love with the woman there. Uh, as you do. As you do. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, it convinces her that, that she should marry him and go on the road with him. Uh, he soon, she soon finds, finds out that the, a musician's life, a preacher's life, a preacher's wife, uh, is is no place that she wants to be. She cheats with him. She cheats on him with a rich man. He confronts them. Uh, he uh, uh, 
there's 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 murder <laughs> and that's act one um that's amazing <laughs> yeah. act two goes into him being sorry for it he loved her um uh he's hiding he gets caught he gets hung he goes to hell uh he wakes up and he makes a deal with the devil that uh if uh if he uh can have another chance if he could have a chance at redemption uh, another chance uh, on uh, in, in the in his mortal in the mortal coil uh, that uh, maybe he could possibly end up where she is in heaven yeah. and re be reunited with her to tell her that he uh, is regretful and sorry and that he loves her. Amazing yeah. man! What a what a what a unique gift to be able to have something like that put in front of you and then just get the story out of it. I mean, it took a long time. It's not like you guys just whipped this up. Like you said, 21 songs over about five years, it sounds like. So, I mean, but just to be able to weave that together, to me, to be able to put that narrative together is one thing, just to write a story. But to do it musically, I mean, you got a, you got a 21-song concept album that is brings you the ups and downs and takes you through the tales and trials and tribulations of this person's life. What a What an amazing accomplishment, and I'm so uh, I look forward to hopefully seeing it one day. Have you been able to put it out there yet? We we put it out. We we just started kind of putting it out there when the, all this started happening. That's what I thought. We had to get get uh, and so we uh, we got in in a few theaters and um, we we done it at some kind of unconventional places as well uh, in California and, and in Washington State uh, and Oregon. And our plan was to try to get it. Uh, out to New York and do it uh, off Broadway and maybe get some attention there. Um, it's ready to go. Um, just need to to get through this so we can can do it in front of people. And if if that if we're actually toying around with the fact that, or, or the concept of maybe trying to do a just get a black box theater and do some kind of virtual uh, show of it. Uh, yeah. Depending on how long we're in this thing and can't be together you know let's hope uh, that that's not too much longer I, I i hope that that voice can hang for six days and twice on sunday hey right <laughs> I, I actually it just it's 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 uh throughout the years it's it's like uh it's like going into the first round is monday for me and i just kind of get warmed up i'm like kind of, <laughs> i'm a, i'm a one of those uh uh 12 round, 12 round boxers. <laughs> Great. I'm glad we caught you in like round seven on a Thursday then. Um, so speaking of, we were kind of talking about Dylan a little bit ago. And now the next song that you're going to play us, when yeah. I heard it, and you just, we're, we're recording this in November. So it's going to be a couple months before we actually release this episode. So it'll be out for a couple months by then. But this gave me early freewheeling Bob Dylan type just those types of feels and the name of this single is american silence which is also the album ep um and we're going to close the show with a live performance of this so these lyrics are really powerful and they seem to really speak to the times that we're in um so yeah what can you tell us about this and we're, i'm excited to hear it well, first of all, thank you for the the Dylan comparison. That that's amazing. I actually just got a, a write up in Rolling Stone this week, and they said the same thing uh, along with Richie Havens. Yeah, uh, they about... called me for a quote on that. Yeah, all right. Man. <laughs> I love it as they do. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, and both both Rich, Richie Havens and Dylan were were songs that were uh, reverberated through my walls when I was a kid. Um, both my parents. I kind of feel like you know, uh, uh, just voices of of generations, not a generation, just generations and. And we talked earlier about songs that just the, the responsibility of songwriters to, to be open and pull from places that aren't necessarily comfortable, places where compartmentalized feelings may be, and to also be a voice of, of, uh, of uh, activism uh, yeah. and, and, and to try to put things out that prompt people to do things in both Dylan and Havens uh, both are both masters of that. Richie passed years ago, uh, unfortunately, but this last piece that Dylan put out uh, whew, a little while ago just floored me. Um, but I wanted to write a song that spoke to people uh, directly that could possibly prompt folks to uh, be a part of conversation of greater good uh, to not be complacent, to to not be a part of social justice when it's only when it's uh, popular to do so, mm -hmm. um, uh, to make it a part of their lives. So that's where the song came from. And the, the album that's coming out deals with all kinds of things. There's a song about the building of the, the Transcontinental Railroad yeah. with the Chinese workforce. Um, if you haven't heard the whole album, I'll send it to you. Um, Please. There's a songs about. Uh, there's a song about the uh, uh, incarceration and uh, uh, how we're dealing with that. There's songs about Native American boarding schools uh, and our history with that. Uh, song about homelessness, um, and it kind of just goes to you know a real but empathetic view in hopes of, of change, I think is what this album in a nutshell yeah. is. So yeah, this is American Silence, Corey. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Will you rise up when your comfort is in jeopardy? Will you resist justifying the complexities? Is simplicity convenient in your quest to pacify? When you look in the mirror, can you see your own disguise? Can we sing a song for you? Will music move your heart and mind? Will our song arrest you? American silence is a crime We see the music move you as you lay your burden down We feel the music grip you as your heart is soaked in sound And when the song is over, if you decide to clap aloud Will your applause mean anything with stitches on your mouth? Can we sing a song for you? Will music move your heart and mind? Will our 
American silence is a crime We sing for the freedom We fight for all it's worth We sing for humanity So we can all walk the earth We sing with honor So we can sing another song we sing through the pain and we'll keep on marching on. Can we sing a song for you? Oh, will music move your heart and mind? Will our song arrest you? American silence. American silence. Bravo, man. Bravo. Chris Pierce, I I cannot thank you enough. Just coming on, sharing some of these stories, really just giving it to us and tell just I'm so happy that that the the Corn Brothers introduced me to you. You've been singing songs in my ears for the last few days and it's gonna continue. Please send me that new album. I cannot wait to hear it. And um and all continued success to you, my man. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for all you do and shining your light on on music and musicians and songs. And uh, man, it's so important what you're doing. And uh, it's, it's really, really a pleasure to be with you and speak with you and play with you today. Just so.